0: section seventeen of the governess or the little female academy by sarah fielding this librivox recording is in the public domain the assembly of the birds a fable in ancient days there was a great contention amongst the birds which from his own perfections and peculiar advantages had the strongest title to happiness and at last they agreed to refer the decision of the debate to the eagle a day was appointed for their meeting the eagle took his seat and the birds all attended to give in their several pleas first spoke the parrot her voice so dearly resembling human speech and which enabled her to converse with such a superior race she doubted not she said would have its just weight with the eagle and engage him to grant a decree in her favour and to this plea she also added that she dwelt in a fine cage adorned with gold and was fed every day by the hands of a fair lady and pray mrs paul said the eagle how comes it since you fare so sumptuously that you are so lean and meagre and seem scarcely able to exert that voice you thus make your boast of alas replied the parrot poor paul's lady has kept her bed almost this week the servants have all forgot to feed me and i am almost starved pray observe said the eagle the folly of such pride had you been able to have conversed only with your own kind you would have fared in common with them but it is to this vaunted imitation of the human voice that you owe your confinement and consequently through living in a golden cage your dependence upon the will and memory of others even for common necessary food thus reproved the parrot with shame hastily retired from the assembly next stood forth the doll, and having tricked himself in all the gay feathers he could muster together on the credit of those borrowed ornaments pleaded his beauty as a title to the preference in dispute immediately the birds agreed to divest the silly counterfeit of all his borrowed plumes and more abashed than the parrot he secretly slunk away the peacock proud of native beauty now flew into the midst of the assembly he displayed before the sun his gorgeous tail observe said he how the vivid blue of the sapphire glitters in my neck and when thus i spread my tail a gemmy brightness strikes the eye from a plumage varied with a thousand glowing colours at this moment a nightingale began to chant forth his melodious lay at which the peacock dropping his expanded tail cried out ah what avails my silent unmeaning beauty when i am so far excelled in voice by such a little russet feathered wretch as that and by retiring he gave up all claim to the contented for preference the nightingale was so delighted with having got the better of the peacock that he exerted his little voice and was so lost in the conceit of his own melody that he did not observe a hawk who flew upon him and carried him off in his claws the eagle then declared that as the peacock's envy had taken away all his claim so no less had the nightingale's self-conceit frustrated all his pretensions for those who are so wrapped up in their own perfections as to mind nothing but themselves are for ever liable to all sorts of accidents and besides it was plain by the exultation the nightingale expressed on his imagined glory over the peacock that he would have been equally dejected on any preference given to another and now the owl with an affected gravity and hooting voice pleaded his well-known wisdom and said he doubted not but the preference would be granted to him without contest by all the whole assembly for what was so likely to produce happiness as wisdom the eagle declared that if his title to wisdom could be proved the justice of his claim should be allowed and then asked him how he could convince them of the truth of what he had advanced the owl answered that he would willingly appeal to the whole assembly for their decision in this point for he was positive nobody could deny his great superiority as to wisdom being separately asked they most of them declared that they knew no one reason either from his words or actions to pronounce him a wise bird though it was true that by an affected solemnity in his looks and by frequent declarations of his own that he was very wise he had made some very silly birds give him that character but since they were called upon to declare their opinions they must say that he was ever the object of contempt to all those birds who had any title to common understanding the eagle then said he could by no means admit a plea which as plainly appeared to be counterfeit as were the jay's borrowed feathers the owl thus disappointed flew away and has ever since shunned the light of the sun and has never appeared in the daytime but to be scorned and wondered at it would be endless to repeat all the several pleas brought by the birds each desiring to prove that happiness ought to be his own particular lot but the eagle observing that the arguments made use of to prove their point were chiefly drawn from the disadvantages of others rather than from any advantage of their own told them there was too much envy and malice amongst them for him to pronounce any of them deserving or capable of being happy but i wonder says he why the dove alone is absent from this meeting i know of one in her nest hard by answered the red-rest shall i go and call her no says the eagle since she did not obey our general summons Tis plain she had no ambition for a public preference but i will take two or three chosen friends and we will go softly to her nest and see in what manner she is employing herself for from our own observations upon the actions of any one we are more likely to form a judgment of them than by any boasts they can make the eagle was obeyed and accompanied only by the linnet the lark the lapwing and the redbreast for his guide he stole gently to the place where the dove was found hovering over her nest waiting the return of her absent mate and thinking herself quite unobserved while o'er her callow brood she hung she fondly thus addressed her young ye tender objects of my care peace peace ye little helpless pair anon he comes your gentle sire and brings you all your hearts require for us his infants and his bride for us with only love to guide our lord assumes an eagle's speed and like a lion dares to bleed, nor yet by wintry skies confined, he mounts upon the rudest wind. From danger tears the vital spoil, and with affection sweetens toil. Ah, cease to venturous, cease to dare! In thine, our dearest safety spare. From him, ye cruel falcons, stray, and turn ye fowlers far away. All-giving power, great source of life, oh, hear the parent, hear the wife that life thou lendest from above though little make it large in love oh bid my feeling heart expand to every claim on every hand to those from whom my days are drew to these in whom those days renew to all my kin however wide in cordial warmth as blood allied to friends in steely fetters twined and to the cruel not unkind but chief the lord of my desire my life myself my soul my sire friends children all that wish can claim chaste passion clasped and rapture name oh spare him spare him gracious power oh give him to my latest hour let me my length of life employ to give my soul enjoyment joy his love let mutual love excite turn all my cares to his delight and every needless blessing spare wherein my darling wants to share let one unruffled calm delight the loving and beloved unite one pure desire our bosoms warm one will direct one wish inform through life one mutual aid sustain in death one peaceful grave contain while swelling with the darling theme her accents poured an endless stream the well-known wings a sound impart that reached her ear and touched her heart quick dropped the music of her tongue and forth with eager joy she sprung as swift her entering concert flew and plumed and kindled at the view their wings their souls embracing meet their hearts with answering measured beat half lost in sacred sweets and blest with raptures felt but ne'er expressed straight to her humble roof she led the partner of her spotless bed her young the fluttering pair arise their welcome sparkling in their eyes transported to their sire they bound and hang with speechless action round in pleasure rapt the parents stand and see their little wings expand the sire his life sustaining prize to each expecting bill applies there fondly pours the wheaten spoil with transport given though one with toil while all collected at the sight and silent through supreme delight the fair high heaven of bliss beguiles and on her lord and infant's smiles these verses are a quotation from that tender fable of the sparrow and the dove in the fables for the female sex the eagle now without any hesitation pronounced the dove to be deservedly the happiest of the feathered kind and however unwilling the rest of the birds were to assent to the judgment given yet could they not dispute the justice of the decree here miss jenny ceased reading and all the little company expressed by their looks that they were overjoyed at the eagle's determination for they had all in their own minds forestalled the eagle's judgment of giving the preference to the dove now my good children said mrs teachum if you will pass through life with real pleasure imitate the dove and remember that innocence of mind and integrity of heart adorn the female character and can alone produce your own happiness and diffuse it to all around you Our little company thanked their governess for her fable, and just at that instant they heard a chariot drive into their court, and Mrs. Teachum went out to see what visitor could be arrived so late in the evening, for it was near eight o'clock. They all remained in the room where the governess left them, for they had been taught never to run out to the door, or to the windows, to look at any strangers that came, till they knew whether it was proper for them to see them or not mrs teachum soon returned with a letter open in her hand and remained some little time silent but cast on every one round such a tender and affectionate look a tear almost starting from her eye that the sympathizing sorrow seemed to spread through the whole company and they were all silent and ready to cry though they knew not for what reason i am sorry my little dears said mrs teachum to give your tender bosoms the uneasiness i fear the contents of this letter will do as it will deprive you of that your heart so justly hold most dear and so saying she delivered to miss jenny peace the following letter to miss jenny peace monday night june twenty-four my dear niece i arrived safe at my own house with your cousin harriet last saturday night after a very tedious voyage by sea and a fatiguing journey by land I long to see my dear Jenny as soon as possible, and Harriet is quite impatient for that pleasure. I have ordered my chariot to be with you to-morrow night, and I desire you would set out on Wednesday morning, as early as your inclination shall prompt you to come to your truly affectionate aunt, M. Newman. I have writ a letter of thanks to your kind governess for her care of you it is impossible to describe the various sensations of miss jenny's mind on the reading of this letter her rising joy at the thoughts of seeing her kind aunt safely returned from a long and tedious voyage was suppressed by a sorrow which could not be resisted on parting with such dear friends and so good a governess and the lustre which such a joy would have given to her eye was damped by rising tears her heart for some time was too full for utterance at last turning to her governess she said and is the chariot really to come to carry me to my dear aunt then after a pause her tears trickling down her cheeks and must i so soon leave you madam and all my kind companions mrs teachum on seeing miss jenny's tender struggles of mind and all her companions at once bursting into tears stood up and left the room saying she would come to them again after supper for this prudent woman well knew that it was in vain to contend with the very first emotions of grief on such an occasion but intended at her return to show them how much it was their duty and interest to conquer all sorts of extravagant sorrow they remained some time silent and quite struck dumb with concern till at last miss dolly friendly in broken accents cried out and must we lose you my dear miss jenny now we are just settled in that love and esteem for you which your goodness so well deserves miss jenny endeavoured to dry up her tears and then said although i cannot but be pleased my dear companions at every mark of your affection for me yet i beg that you would not give me the pain to see that i make so many dear friends unhappy let us submit cheerfully to this separation which believe me is as deeply felt by me as any of you because it is our duty to do so and let me entreat you to be comforted by reflecting how much my good aunt's safe return must be conducive to my future welfare nor can you be unhappy while you continue with so good a governess and persist in that readiness to obey her which you have lately shown she will direct who shall preside over your innocent amusements in my place i will certainly write to you and shall always take the greatest delight in hearing from each of you both while you continue here and when your duty and different connections shall call you elsewhere we may some and perhaps all of us happen often to meet again and i hope a friendship founded on so innocent and so good a foundation as ours is will always subsist as far as shall be consistent with our future situations in life miss jenny's friends could not answer her but by sobs and tears only little polly suckling running to her clung about her neck and cried indeed indeed miss jenny you must not go i shall break my heart if i lose you sure we shan't nor we can't be half so happy when you are gone though our governess was ten times better to us than she is miss jenny again entreated them to dry up their tears and to be more contented with their present necessity and begged that they would not let their governess see them so overwhelmed in sorrow on her return for she might take it unkindly that they should be so afflicted at the loss of one person while they still remained under her indulgent care and protection it was with the utmost difficulty that miss jenny refrained from shedding tear for tear with her kind companions but as it was her constant maxim to partake with her friends all her pleasure and to confine her sorrows as much as possible within her own bosom she chose rather to endeavour by her own cheerfulness and innocent talk to steal insensibly from the bosoms of her little companions half their sorrow and they begin to appear tolerably easy after supper mrs teachum returned and seeing them all striving who should most conceal their grief for fear of giving uneasiness to the rest yet with a deep dejection fixed in every countenance and little polly still sobbing behind miss jenny's chair she was so moved herself with the affecting scene that the tears stole from her eyes and the sympathising company once more eased their almost bursting hearts by another general flow of melting sorrow my dear children said mrs teachum i am not at all surprised at your being so much concerned to part with miss jenny i love her myself with a motherly affection as i do all of you and shall ever continue to do so while you so well deserve it and i could wish for my own sake never to part with her as long as i live but i consider that it is for her advantage and i would have you all remember in her absence to let her example and friendship fill your hearts with joy instead of grief it is now pretty late in the evening and as miss jenny is to set out very early in the morning i must insist upon shortening your pain for such is your present situation AND DESIRE YOU WOULD TAKE YOUR LEAVE OF THIS, YOUR ENGAGING FRIEND. THEY, NONE OF THEM, ATTEMPTED TO SPEAK ANOTHER WORD, FOR THEIR HEARTS WERE STILL TOO FULL FOR UTTERANCE, AND MISS JENNY TOOK EVERY ONE BY THE HAND AS THEY WENT OUT OF THE ROOM, SALUTED THEM WITH THE TENDEREST AFFECTION, MINGLING TEARS WITH THOSE WHICH FLOWED FROM EVERY STREAMING EYE, AND WISHING THEM ALL HAPPINESS AND JOY TILL THEIR NEXT MEETING, THEY ALL WITH THEIR HEAVY HEARTS RETIRED TO REST miss jenny returned the warmest and most grateful acknowledgments to her good governess for all her care of her and said i shall attribute every happy hour madam that i may hereafter be blessed with to your wise and kind instruction which i shall always remember with the highest veneration and shall ever consider you as having been to me no less than a fond and indulgent mother mrs teachum kept miss jenny in the room with her no longer than to assure her how sincerely she should regret her absence and confessed how much of the regularity and harmony of her school she owed to her good example for sweetness of temper and conformity to rules the end of the ninth day the conclusion of the history of mrs teachum etc although miss jenny peace did not return any more to school yet she ever gratefully remembered the kindness of her governess and frequently corresponded with all her companions and as they continued their innocent amusements and meetings in the arbour whenever the weather would permit there was no day thought to be better employed than that in which they received a letter from their absent instructive friend whose name was always mentioned with gratitude and honour mrs teachum continued the same watchful care over any young persons who were entrusted to her management and she never increased the number of her scholars though often entreated so to do all quarrels and contentions were banished her house and if ever any such thing was likely to arise the story of miss jenny Pease's reconciling all her little companions was told to them so that miss jenny though absent still seemed by the bright example which she left behind her to be the cement of union and harmony in this well-regulated society and if any girl was found to harbour in her breast a rising passion which it was difficult to conquer the name and story of miss jenny peace soon gained her attention and left her without any other desire than to emulate miss jenny's virtues in short mrs teachum's school was always mentioned throughout the country as an example of peace and harmony and also by the daily improvement of all her girls it plainly appeared how early young people might attain great knowledge if their minds were free from foolish anxieties about trifles and properly employed on their own improvement for never did any young lady leave mrs teachum but that her parents and friends were greatly delighted with her behaviour as she had made it her chief study to learn always to pay to her governess the most exact obedience and to exert toward her companions all the good effects of a mind filled with benevolence and love end of section 17 End of The Governess or The Little Female Academy by Sarah Fielding Thank you for listening.